0: Shotgun snap, quick throw, All caught right, by Green. It, in, it, it is a yeah. touchdown. Yeah. Adriel, Jeremiah Green. You don't live in Cleveland, you live in
1: Cincinnati. Hello and welcome to episode 115 of Cincinnati, the Bengals UK podcast. That is now at the end of the season. We're a bit demob happy. And uh, we're going to go through some players of the year. We're going to go through all the coaching changes. We've got Uncle Jeff Hobson coming on to hopefully give us the latest and what's happening behind the scenes at PBS. It's another packed show. Just because the season finishes, we do not, ladies and gentlemen. We carry on going. And... uh, I don't know whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. My name is Paul Hirons, and here to discuss with me the comings and indeed the goings, it is Nathan Palmer. Hello, Nathan.
2: Hey, doing, my son? It's crazy to sit here and say that after what a mad year it's been, that is the end of the Bengals' uh, NFL season. I feel like it it didn't didn't take long, did it? And I think it's going to be sorely missed by everyone, Um, even though the Bengals have not lit the world alight this year. I think there's a lot of people that it's a nice thing to look forward to on a Sunday night, isn't it? So we've still got the playoffs, I suppose, but we're going to have to wait another eight, nine months until (laughs) our next slice of Bengals pie.
1: I love the NFL, but I hate it as well, because it's just like, it's brilliant for about six months, and then, well, depending on who your team is, uh, and then just kind of a barren, lonely wait for nine months, isn't it? It really is. It really <laughs> it's is. a long, it's ba- time.
2: Barren is like, bang on the right word as well. It really is a barren sort of wasteland from like, I mean, I know you've got the draft, which sort of, you know, teases you a little bit, but... From actual football standpoint, if you're not making the playoffs, it's basically January through to August, and it yeah, maybe September if you're not really a fan of the preseason.
1: Absolutely, and I must say thank you for sticking with us because I know that it's not just been a hard time on the field. <laughs> we'll get, obviously, we'll get to that in a moment, but it's it's also been a really tough time off the field as well. And uh, as uh, as all our British listeners will know. Um, uh, we're in lockdown again so you know back to tough times i hope you're all doing okay and um yeah uh what can we say um we enjoyed doing this podcast uh for us and i know i can speak for nathan it's something is for, for us to take our minds off things and i hope that's been the case for you as well and, and this week well, we've had some really lovely messages actually thanking us for doing the podcast and uh and actually helping to um keep keep everyone sane you know i never really thought this podcast would would do that in fact i thought it would do the opposite really really but um some really lovely messages so the news is we're going to keep this going i haven't told you this nathan yet have i but we're going to keep this going for as long as we possibly can especially now that we're in lockdown again so uh you up for that nathan
2: Well, I don't really have the excuse that I'm busy, do I? So I guess I'm (laughs) going to have to be. Exactly.
1: Right, let's get to business because there has been business. Uh, We're recording this on a Tuesday and normally we record this on a Monday. But obviously uh, with the NFL having its unofficial Black Monday, for want of a better phrase, we thought we'd hold off for a day just to see if there were any major uh, surgery going on in the coaching staff, within the coaching staff. And uh, there wasn't really. Uh, Elise Jesse dropped a bit of a bomb as she is now becoming known for, our old friend Elise, uh, last week when she disclosed that the Bengals were getting rid of Jim Turner, uh, Nick Eason, the, uh, the defensive line coach, uh, defensive assistant, uh, Mr. Chapman, and uh, Jamal Singleton. She didn't say that, but it emerged over the weekend that he would be joining. The University of Kentucky, uh, our running backs coach, going down back down into the college ranks to to ply his trade there. Um, there's been some talk about others, uh, you know, most notably Zach and uh, Lou Anurumu. Um So, um, what are your thoughts, really? A lot of people kind of rejoiced, really, when they heard that Jim. No one likes to see people lose their jobs, obviously, but. Uh, I think Jim Turner, I mean, we discussed a bit about Jim last week, but your thoughts, Nathan, on the bombshell? I don't
2: know if I'd call it a bombshell. I think a lot of people expected that Jim Turner was possibly going to be on his way out. And uh, I didn't think I'd ever hear myself say this, but I, I do, to a very certain extent, feel a bit sorry for Jim Turner because I think he's been made a bit of a scapegoat. Um, for this season and potentially last season as well and I think it's a little bit of a PR move from the Bengals in some way to sort of at least sort of give it to someone that you've got they've got to make some changes there they've not made any changes um, on the coordinator side of things and I think for a team that's won six games in two years it's extremely unusual to stick with your head coach and both coordinators through thick and thin it's a very unusual situation I think normally you would like to see one of those guys moved around and I think I don't think there's probably across the league. I mean, I may be wrong, but I don't think there's probably an offensive line coach that is more known to fans than Jim Turner. You know, most of the time, offensive line coaches, positional coaches are quite understated. They go about their business. You, you can't obviously um, deduce what they're really doing day to day. You know, sometimes you maybe see progressions in a certain unit, but it's, it's quite hard to really attribute their work to what you see on the field. And with Jim Turner... Across the fan base, there's a lot of you know people are not too happy about him. Back to his personality and some of the stuff back in Miami, the unsavoury stuff. But I'm not. I'm not against it. I don't. That offensive line has not been good for two years. I don't think there's any real reason. I mean, you'd argue that some of the players have got better. Bobby Hart, I think, is a lot better player than when he came in um, from the Giants for a million quid on a one-year deal three years ago. Still not probably the standard of right tackle we want, but he's certainly improved. Some of those young guys potentially have got a little bit better. But I think it's a fair enough. I I I think it's fair enough. I think when we heard Tyler Dragon come out last week and say that he expected like quite a lot of changes, I think that on a normal season, it'd be fairly routine that you'd see two or three positional coaches be shown the door and maybe move on to, you know, passages new. So I'm not – I think the fact that Jim Turner's more known to us seems like a bit of a bigger thing than it actually is. And I think in, in actual fact, it's a quite um, – Sort of, I think the Bengals have been very conservative by keeping the guys in the top positions in the same place. I mean, you've got our old friend Mike Florio at Pro Football Talk who (laughs) loves to talk like, you know, absolute bollocks about the Bengals, quite frankly. Yeah. um, Saying that there was rumors that Zach Taylor wasn't completely safe. Now, I think, you know, I've never seen more clickbait in my life. I don't think there's any truth to that at all. Obviously, Zach Taylor has been now confirmed by Mike Brown, but. It is quite, I think the Jim Turner move looks, like I said, on the face of things that they're making some changes and a few guys moving on. But I think if you're saying that the difference between this team winning six games in two years versus 10, 11, 12, which you probably would have liked to have seen, is down to two or three positional coaches, then, you know, I think we've got the wrong problem here. So to me, I wasn't entirely convinced.
1: Yeah, what do you, I mean, we're not going to talk about the Ravens game, but uh, suffice to say it was awful. And I'd been kind of, you know, kind of 70-30, 60-40 in favour of keeping Zach, but it it kind of went down a little bit after the weekend. I was disappointed with their performance, and more so, I know that they had a load of injuries out there, especially on the defence, especially in the secondary. Uh, You know, Mike Daniels wasn't playing, but I thought some of the the game planning and the calling during the game on both sides of the ball was, again, a bit of a head-scratcher. And the fact that we just couldn't... Yes, Baltimore is a, is a top-tier team and they've got a really good defence and uh, they've got Lamar Jackson, who was on bang-on form this week. <laughs> Bloody hell, wasn't he just? Uh, but still, you know, just that, that fourth and three play in the second half, I think it was, Um, it was just so easy. And there was a touchdown to Marquise Brown that was just, too easy um, but I said
2: to you son last week didn't I, you know, know. I was like who are this team like cause yeah. who are they who are the team against the Texans where you got Brandon Allen? After last week, we were all hailing him as like the Bengals backup for the future. He was a young lad. He was incredible. Three hundred yards. I think he had a huge passer rating.
1: AFC all of a play, sudden again, air it player six,
2: of the week as well. Yeah,
1: yeah exactly.
2: <laughs> and this this week he was six of twenty one. I know. That's like forty like, eight yards and yeah. two picks. I mean, that's got to be one of the worst quarterback performances ever. I think oh, so he, it's I, just, he did. Have what a, happened to this team? He, like, I just don't get
1: it. He did have a zero rating. I think. I think that's the kind of figures that you and me would put up if we were kind of on the field, actually. Um, <laughs> and you know, tries they did to get AJ that touchdown. He was wide open on one, one route, and Brandon Allen under three. And then there was the pick in the end zone. It was just all so ugly, and they couldn't get a run game going at all, and.
2: It was remarkably different, wasn't it? Because the, oh, yeah, yeah. the Steelers are obviously a very good team. And, you know, the Texans, are all right, fair enough, they're not great. But they played really well for two weeks. And going back to the point about Zach Taylor and the coaching staff, you know, we've been clamoring all season for progress and to sort of see evidence as to why you'd want to bring him back. And I think you saw it in those two weeks and people were excited. And I think the mood, wow, I mean, oh, my God. I mean, we could just see it in our Twitter correspondence yeah. that the mood shifted from where we were before that Steelers game to where we were after the Texans game. And, I just think for Zach's sake, he could have lost that game against the Ravens by 7, 10, maybe even 17 points. And I think people would have just said, look, let's pack up here. We're, we're willing to sort of give him begrudgingly. But probably I think people would have said, look, you know, fair enough, we'll go with it for next season. But to get spanked at home by 35 points in that manner and just to get bullied yeah. in, the, in the, fa- the, way, the fashion we did, I think a lot of people all of a sudden were like, oh, maybe that was just a fluke because – I don't know where that, those two weeks came from, and I think the game against the Ravens was far more uh, resembled far more what we've seen of this team over the last two years than that two week. Well, I, stif- I don't know about
1: that. I mean, they have been in a lot of games this year, and really, they should have won another three. I really do think that if they, yeah, but they didn't. You know, that is the plain fact. They did not finish those games. Uh, it's not often that we're completely outclassed and outcoached, and we. No, been, that's a fair point. That's we, a fair we we do, we've been outclassed and outcoached twice against the Ravens this year so I, I'm i all you know I really wanted, like you're saying I expected us to lose against the Ravens because A they're a better team let's face it B they were really playing for something and C you looked at our depleted team you know with all due respect to the guys on the field uh, you know it was difficult but my problem was I had a few problems with the game plan. Again, this is from a layperson standpoint. I'm not a coach. I, you know, I'm, I'm not an expert, but um, there was some... You're, curi- doing, you're
2: doing yourself down, son. I'd say you were an expert.
1: <laughs> I'm, I'm curious and was was very dispirited after that game. Just because of the, the poorness, the abjectness of it and the, the poorness of the play. And you really want to, as you say, you really want to go. If we're going to lose, we want to be competitive and go into that next season thinking, OK, yeah, we've just won two. We were competitive against a playoff team that might go quite deep in the playoffs. Actually, you never know with the Ravens. So, uh, But instead, we got absolutely spanked. Um, as you mentioned, uh, Zach uh, has retained his job after some speculation. Uh, surprise or not surprise, Happy, not happy? What? I know there's a lot of unhappy people about that out there. Uh, I'm just about okay with it, but as I say, Sunday really uh, dented that kind of optimism for me.
2: I'm not surprised at all. I think that I think it would have been very, very interesting to see what would have happened if we had lost against the Steelers and the Texans, or even if we'd just won one of those games, say we'd beat the Texans, not the Steelers, because I think those games were enough that the ownership could justify bringing him back without absolute chaos ensuing. You know, I think just if we had only won two games this year and two games the year before, I think the fans would have just said, look, like there's no reason at all that we should be bringing this guy back. But I think those two wins, in the end, I thought there was, you know – there was no real speculation that he was going to go. I think after, like we said, the manner of the Ravens loss, you maybe opened one eye and said, could there be a curveball here? Is that mm. sort of finished? You know, if, the, if there was any, if the, anyone in the building was maybe undecided, that's certainly going to turn him in a certain direction, but not surprised he's coming back for me. I mean, we said all along, didn't we, we tried not to sort of jump on the bandwagon each week and say yes, no, in or out. We said, let's give him till the end of the season. Let's judge him on his merits. I think he's very fortunate to be brought back. I, I'm i not, I wouldn't say, I certainly am not happy about it, but I wouldn't go to the extent and say, like, I'm furious about it and I think it's a terrible move. Mm. I, I, to, to me, I think there's a strong case that he probably shouldn't be brought back. I think that six wins in two years is not enough. Um, he's had the first, the 11th and the fifth overall pick. We will have the fifth overall pick. He spent a lot of money in free agency. The most the Bengals have ever really spent in free agency in going into this season to rebuild. And I know we use the excuse of injuries, but... There was a really interesting stat um, from a Twitter account that I, I retweeted it today on my Twitter account about it like summarizes teams injuries and how impactful those injuries were and by like game minutes missed. And the Bengals are in the lower half of that in terms of injuries. And you look around the league, I think the 49ers were the worst impacted, but the Bengals are in the lower half of that. So I think more than anything, the injuries just uncovered the the sheer lack of depth that we've got on the roster as opposed to actually, you know, it being more than other teams around the league who have all been in the same boat with the COVID scenario and, you know, taking injuries. So I think that overall, he's, he's a lucky boy, Zach. You know, I think that the only reason I think you can be positive for him coming back is that you the ownership have put their neck out on him and that he's a young lad. He's only, 30, I think he's 38, Zach Taylor or 37 or something like that. He's got two years under his belt. A third year, he's really going to know the system. He's his first time being a head coach. You know, he should only get better. But I think that the thing that I've been saying overall is, is he going to get Joe Burrow from eight wins to ten? Is he going to make Joe Burrow and this team better? Or is Joe Burrow going to make him better? Because if Burrow plays a whole season next year, we'll be competitive. We've got the fifth overall pick. You're going to get a good player there. You're going to get a good player in the top of the second round you've got some money to spend in free agency with green not being very unlikely to be brought back after this season so there's going to be money to be spent and we will be more competitive next year that's just the way the nfl is if you're drafting first fifth and 11th three years in a row you're going to get a good haul of players you're going to get rid of a lot of aging veterans and spend that money on some new players so yeah we should be competitive but i just I'm not convinced and haven't seen enough in two years for me to have brought him back, if I'm being completely honest.
1: You look at the uh, Los Angeles Chargers, uh, who've just fired Antoine Lynn. He finished with a 7-9 and record, and uh, for us, that would have been brilliant. <laughs> you know, we would have gladly accepted that, and yet the Chargers are not settling for a 7-9 and finish. I know they had a poor season last year, but the season before that, they were a real challenges. so... Uh, I think Zach is very lucky um, and lucky to be part of an organisation with uh, a front office that is notoriously loyal to their coaches. And uh, we've got a few questions about Zach later on. The other guy that's on the extreme hot seat is our defensive coordinator. Now, due to popular demand, we brought
2: this back. What would you do? I was really hoping you'd dig that out. Uh,
1: I I didn't find it because I couldn't remember when we last did that. But um, I made a new one. And in fact, we're gonna do. We're not gonna do what would Lou do, because uh, we know what would Lou do. Lou would would quite happily stay in his job. We're gonna ask this question today. Why is Lou poo? <laughs> Why-, <laughs> Why is Lou poo? Um, <laughs> And that's all due respect to Lou. We're only obviously having a bit of a, a bit of fun here. But, uh, you know, the question... Why is Lou cool? Does have to be asked. And, again, he made some very strange play calls, again, from a layperson stand, standpoint. And, you know, during the season, the defence, you know, without DJ Reader, Geno Atkins, Josh Tupu, Renell Wren. Trey Waynes, William Jackson from time to time, uh, all those guys, no, and obviously Carlos Dunlap, no pass rush whatsoever. The defence played well in patches, but I think, you know, you just look at it, it was just so inconsistent. And yes, it was depleted, but again, some of the, the, the decisions and the game planning against Lamar Jackson, uh, you Look, listen, I know Lamar Jackson is a fantastic player and he will shred you know, most teams in the NFL, and he certainly did that to us on Sunday, but um, what's going on with Lou? I mean, would you, I, th- I think out of all the, the, the coordinator positions, Lou's is the hottest seat, isn't he? So why why is he, why hasn't it worked
2: for him, do you think? Well, I think like you said, there's obviously been some injuries there. I mean, There's been a lot of change on that defence. I mean, I think it's always going to be a big challenge with every respect to Logan Wilson, um, Akeem Davis-Gaith, Marcus Bailey, bringing them in as rookies and just saying to them, right, lads, you're going to play. I mean, I know Bailey didn't play much, but Hakeem Davis Gaither and Logan Wilson got a lot of snaps as rookies. That's going to be a challenge. You're always going to be struggling when you're trying to plug in third and fourth round linebackers straight into your starting lineup. Um, I think Josh Bynes was okay, but again, there's, it was, there just was a lot of change. You obviously had Mackenzie Alexander coming in. You had Von Bell coming in. There was obviously DJ Reader on the defensive line. There was, as you mentioned, I think it was Josh Tupu who opted out with the COVID-19 situation. So, it it was a very difficult year because you're trying to gel a lot of new parts together. And I don't think that particularly helped him, but I just don't think it's a very deep unit. You had a lot of lads brought in like Mike Daniels being brought in in the middle of the season, obviously Dunlap left in the middle of the season and, you know, really going into the start of the season, you would have said Dunlap was a key, uh, a key component of that defense if we were going to be in any way competitive. So I don't, I I just don't think the talent is there. Do I think Luana Rumi's got the best out of the talent that he had I mean, it's hard to say. I mean, I'm not massively anti luana Room. I don't think that he's the core problem there, but he has overseen two very significantly bottom half. I think we were almost the worst defence, if not maybe second worst, third worst last year. And I think this year we finished about 27th, 28th. So again, if you're looking at that, is going from... 30th to 28th or whatever it was enough to say, well, that's progress. You know, I think we've improved there because again, we did spend money. We spent money on Von Bell. Mm. We spent money on DJ reader. We spent money on McKen- uh, McKenzie, Alexander. You want to see improvement on that defense. And I, I can't obviously say, you know, maybe it was slightly bad. I think last year it was historically bad, but you know, has it got a lot better this year? Mm, not quite sure. So, I think that was an area that they could have easily moved on from. Cause like I said, I think last week he wasn't Zach's first choice as defensive coordinator. I think they sort of kicked the tires and knocked on a few doors before they hired Lou. He was brought in very late and um, I believe they, him and Zach used to work together in Miami, if I'm not mistaken, mm-hmm. but I thought it would have been a smart move for the Bengals again, to deflect attention from Zach Taylor and the franchise. So look, we're going to move on from Lou here. We're going to go and get, you know, another guy for another organization, potentially someone with a bit more experience to help Zach and, you know, like a Wade Phillips type character. I'm not saying Wade Phillips, but someone in that, you know, a bit more experience, potentially a former head coach, Gus Bradley, maybe someone like that, who knows, that could have come in and, you know, brought a more like reputable, experienced name to the position that maybe would have given Zach a bit more of a chance next year. So I think it's. You know like I said, I'm very surprised that not one person in a big like a prominent position's gone, but from Lou to Zach to Callahan, I just think that there's not been obvious enough progress this year for me to say that there, it wouldn't have been a benefit to go out there and plug someone else in but what, what do you think Sam?
1: Well yeah, I agree I think he, it's difficult to quantify again because his bloody injuries i I think he's on one hand I've, I think he's worked miracles. Um, which is a strange thing to say. But then on the other hand, I see some of the stuff, you know, really soft coverages, you know, kind of w- this defence was supposed to be much better against the run this year. And, you know, we put up historically bad numbers against the Ray or conceded historically bad um, numbers against the Ravens. So those things haven't worked. He is becoming known for his soft uh, coverages. Uh, some of the things are head-scratching. Some of the things are great for what he's got, what he's had to work with. I have no idea. I'm tempted to say, yes, bring someone new in because they've just gone through so much these past couple of years. As I keep saying, everything that could have gone wrong has gone wrong. And mentally it's kind of quite difficult to come back from that. You know, you get into the habit of winning and also you get into a bit of a habit of losing as well. So it's, it's difficult to turn around losing continually. Um, so I do I do, want- I do think that perhaps uh if you're gonna keep Zach, then bring in some fresh ideas next to him. Do you know what I mean? In the coordinated yeah, position. I
2: completely I completely agree. The one the one last thing I'll say on the subject of Lou is that if you look at our schedule in the end, it's not like we played the Chiefs and the Packers and Teams like that that were knocking up, you know, like the Saints that were just smashing up 50 points a week. I mean, we actually, if you look at the schedule and who we played at the time, didn't play that many offences that you'd say were sort of high powered. You played the, the Washington football team, mm. the Giants, the Cowboys, with Andy Dalton. You played the Dolphins, you know, that the Texans were a terrible team this year. Yeah, the Eagles, Deshaun, were, jo- Deshaun
1: Watson, though. He yeah, no, Deshaun I know what, Watson, what you mean. I know what you mean, but, though.
2: You know, we we didn't play any teams that you look at in the playoffs. We didn't play the Bills this year that would have Mm -hmm. absolutely torn us apart if we'd got them on the schedule. Like, we played the Jags, who were a poor team. We played the Eagles, who were a poor team. There weren't many teams that we actually came up against that, you know, are going to be going deep in the playoffs this year. So, I think to some respect, the, the Bengals actually got quite lucky that they didn't come up against those teams. So I think if you had the Chiefs, the Packers on your schedule and, you know, we'd ended up in the 31st, 32nd position overall and got spanked a few more times, I think that would be the end of Lou. So I think yeah. quite a fortunate situation for him in the end. Although
1: we did beat the Titans, we should have beaten the Browns, we beat the Steelers, you know, um, I don't know. That, it, it's such a yeah. up and down, inconsistent, some great moments. some awful, mostly awful stuff. Very difficult. Anyway, uh, let's bring in our special guest, shall we? And as promised, it is uh, our favourite Bengals writer, uh, Jeff Hobson. He's back on the podcast. Jeff, happy new year to you.
0: Happy new year to you and me, Paul. Uh, thanks for uh, thanks for having me on. It's an honour.
1: <laughs> I'm glad you think so. Well, it's likewise as well. We love you uh, being on uh, here and you've been great with us. Uh, it's, we've got proper end-of-season vibes and... Uh, uh, obviously, it was a pretty abject performance against the Ravens. But, yeah. you know, uh, as is the NFL's want, the, the Monday immediately after the last game, it all kind of kicks off. Um, were you expecting more things to kick off at Paul Brown Stadium?
0: <laughs> well, I don't think uh, this... Uh, you guys know this. You've been watching this team long enough. You know, Mike Brown's probably the most patient owner in sports. Mm. Uh, you know, and I think... Uh, You know, there may be more shoes to fall maybe in the next couple of days. Zach Taylor hinted that they're still looking at the staff, Mm. but uh, clearly, uh, you know, it's his call. So, what does that mean? There have been reports out there about certain position coaches that aren't coming back. Um, Will his coordinators be back? I, you know, I'm assuming they will be. Certainly, Darren Simmons will be. Uh, I would think Brian Callahan and you know, Lou and Arumo are going to be OK, uh, given that uh, what each had to face, uh, not, you know, beyond the pandemic, but also beyond the, beyond the injuries.
1: Um, a lot of people n- don't, uh, well, I want to say that a lot of people are unwilling to use injuries and the pandemic as an excuse for the team's record. Where, where do you stand on, on that?
0: You know, I, I get that. Uh, I get that. But I also, you know, I mean, I'm also a realist, you know. And when that, what they did in March, uh, they overhauled the defense, spent $120 million on the defense. Mm. They basically overhauled their offense because when they brought in Burrow, they clearly crafted it around him and what he did best at LSU. Mm. So that was an overhaul job, too. So uh, they really needed that spring. Mm. And uh, they really needed uh, – uh, and they couldn't lose what they lost. I mean, I mean, you know, to lose those defensive tackles right away, to lose the corner right away, I get it. They should have played better than they did. But I understand why it happened in large part because, they, you know, they had no preseason games to put this thing together. Mm. And it was, I would argue, was the biggest overhaul they've ever had on the field. Mm. When you see that they changed out seven defensive starters – and brought in a rookie quarterback mm-hmm. now the other argument will be well Dalton and Green didn't have a spring either and they went they went nine and seven and went to the playoffs oh well, that's right uh probably had a more stable you know they had a stable offensive line they had a better defense mm-hmm. Too. Mm-hmm. but how good was that defense we never really saw it I mean it never really yeah didn't really get off the ground so I I get it I get the frustration uh but i'm not sure I'm, I'm not sure you can get around those two real things mm. i mean you know how are you going to beat baltimore really without burrow and joe mixon mm. you didn't beat him with joe burrow and joe mixon mm. so i mean defensively how are you going to stop lamar jackson in that running game with none of your you know basically uh, uh, one defensive line starter playing mm. and a uh, and a uh, and a uh, and a regular linebacker not playing in, you know, three, three corners. Your top three corners were out. So I get it. I understand the frustration, but I'm not sure the way things broke
1: down, I'm not sure I'm exactly surprised.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, do you, I mean, I think a lot of people were expecting us maybe to lose because against the Ravens specifically because of those reasons. Uh, but equally, I think a lot of people – me included, actually. And I've been sort of trying to stay even keeled about this yeah. throughout the season because, as you say, I've been watching this team for a long time and I remember the early 90s and uh, a certain other young offensive-minded head coach back in the early 90s. Right. Um, you know, I I did expect a little bit more from them this this Sunday and it was a little bit yeah. dispiriting, I think. But where, if Zach is retained, and I think we have be making the point on the podcast... It's it's great to get into a winning habit, but you can also get into a losing habit as well. And is there an argument for for that not to happen, Zach? And if Zach is going to stay, which he is, obviously that's been confirmed. Is there an argument for kind of cleaning house and bringing new energy, new fresh ideas, that kind of thing, at the coordinator position?
0: Well, I think that uh, it's basically Zach's offense. I mean, he basically is the coordinator. Brian has a Brian has a title, but I think probably Zach is probably the guy, you know, who does, who acts as the coordinator. I like your mug, by the way. Mm. Um, and I do have to agree. You know, I, I I thought, you know, I mean, offensively, it was Sunday. The most disappointing thing to me Sunday was Tyler Boyd and AJ, AJ Green walking out there with a combined seven targets and mm. you know one uh, one catch for three yards. That's that was tough. That was tough for me to take too so i mean i'm with you uh i'm with you with the frustration i'm sure i think everybody else down at paul brown is too uh but i think also too i think they feel like they've got to give this scheme with burrow because i think they they think they've got to give it at least two years Hmm. with burrow with the same scheme Hmm. you know and but i thought the thing that struck me about the statement that mike released yesterday was this is you know you better do it this year that was the message i get out of it mm-hmm. which is you know mike doesn't usually you know say say that but i get the sense that uh they're really looking for for it to come together mm-hmm. with joe and his with burrow in his second year in the same scheme i don't think even uh I, I just feel like uh once they drafted burrow in my mind it was a two-year thing
1: right
0: right you know it was a two-year thing and and, and it's uh um, you know, and Mike is big into continuity and, uh, I can, under, you know, I can understand that when Marvin was going, when Aunt Marvin and these guys were going at high gear, they had the same coordinators, you know, they had a lot of the same personnel and they just haven't had that, mm. you know, they just haven't had that lately. Not, well, they have had it lately, but they've had the, <laughs> it's often been timed up with a, uh, a stunning stretch of injuries mm. that, uh, again, that's no excuse because you got to have depth. And it's no excuse to get beat thirty-eight to three, but I do think that this has been a. Once they picked Burrow, it was a two-year deal. Offensively, yeah, yeah. offensively, I think that's still. It sounds to me like they're still hashing that out.
2: Jeff, I think like a lot of a lot of fans, obviously, are questioning the Zach Taylor move, and obviously, you see him, you know him, you're around the team, and of, of the players we've had on the podcast. They've been overwhelmingly positive, talking about him, saying there's a good culture in that locker room, and been very supporting of him. But for fans questioning Zach and the fact that he's coming back, what have you seen personally that makes you confident that he is the man, the right man for the job? And what would you expect sort of moving into next year? Well, I think he makes a good connection with the players. I think he, I think he runs a uh, a smooth
0: organization where the players uh, uh, understand what's going on and what's expected of them. I think he's a, uh, I think he brings a lot of different offensive ideas out there. Um, I think he's trying to, I think he's trying to learn on the job. I think he's got a, there's a lot of, he's got a lot of hats. He has to balance head coach coordinator, play caller, you know? So there's a lot of things he's got going on, but I think that the the thing that he brings to the table is he has the confidence of the key offensive players, particularly burrow, who I believe tweeted his uh, Mm -hmm. tweeted his support uh, not long after the statement. So that's a big thing. And I think, you know, like you said, Nate, you talked you guys have had talked to a lot of the players. Um, I, you know, to me, that's the one thing he's got going for me is he's got guys that think, uh, schematically that he knows what he's doing, that he can mm-hmm. get, that he can, that he, that he, can get the job done, calm plays. And I think, you know, to me, the big question is, uh, you know, he's going to have, can, can this scheme he has, which has shown to put up yards with Burrow, can he can he protect him in that scheme? And that yep. to me, that's his off that's his top offseason priority is making sure he doesn't get hit as much. But clearly, they can. We sh- we saw that in Joe's last five stats, they could score and they could put up points. And you know, I think when he went down against Washington, I think he had 250 yards passing. Mm-hmm. Problem was he dropped back 35 times, and that's you know. Mm-hmm. So you got to get it. You got to find the. You know, you got to find a middle way there. And he's been adamant that they feel like, you know, their best chance of winning is with Joe throwing the ball. He's probably probably correct. They just have to figure out a way to protect him.
2: I, I guess moving on from that question, but on the same lines, we've had a couple of people message in and say to us, what do you think with Zach going into next year, what would be sort of what's his expectations to win? How many games does he have to win next year to secure his job and move that forward? I know it's too early with, you know, before the draft and everything else, but what do you think Mike Brown sat there saying that they want nine wins, 10 wins next year? Does he just need to get to 500? What's your sort of expectation to this team next year for it to be a a quote, quote, like a successful season for the team?
0: Offensively, they've got to, they've got to, they've just got to be better uh, protecting the guy and they've got to win obviously more games, what that number is. You know, I've often tell people, uh, it's almost like the Supreme court justice here, Potter Stewart, when he was asked about obscenity, he goes, uh, uh, I know it when I see it, you know, and that's kind of how I feel about coaches and their job security. You know, uh, you you know, I think you're going to know nine, eight wild card, uh, uh, missing it by a game. I don't know.
2: Yeah. But yeah you'll yeah.
0: know. I yeah. think you'll know at the end of the year. You know, I think, you know, whether it's good or whether it's, you know, whether whether it deserves to continue
2: absolutely i think just the one last thing for me that i want to pick your brains on and i know it's again still too early on this but with the fifth overall pick in the draft secured now what what positions are you thinking would be in play for there obviously a lot of people talking wide receiver and offensive tackle If were the right players available what are your thoughts on that just quickly
0: well i tell you after watching the game sunday i can't believe anybody wants an offensive player with that pick i mean you know i i'm a they need a defensive, they need a defensive stud. They need a pass. Now I don't know what's, I really haven't looked into what's there at five. I understand there is not a pass rushing stud, but if there's a corner or if there, I mean, it has to be, to me, it has to be a defensive player. This team has not drafted a defensive lineman in the first round. This will be the 20th anniversary, 2001, Justin Smith, you know, uh, you know, to me, that's, that's something that, uh, you know, I, I, you know, they, at some point they have to address that front seven particularly the the edge rusher even even the defensive tackle the depth there I, to me that would be the – but i like i said if you if you're in a it, it, what if the problem is there that there's you don't have those players available to you at, the, at at five what do you do then you have to then i think you're faced with do you trade out of there or do you th- think you can get one in the second round your second round but i mean you know you it's uh to me that's the top offs you know Along with protecting Burrow, you've got to get some people on the defensive front. Mm. So but I but got, from what I understand, Chase Young is not there this year. Mm. So mm. and if he was there, he probably couldn't get him at five anyway. Mm. Yep. So but I would go, if it was me, I'd go best defensive player, but I get wide receiver. I was talking to Willie Anderson today. We were talking about TJ, Chad, uh, Chris Henry. Steelers couldn't cover him, you know? Mm. So what if they grabbed the best wide receiver there you know and what if AJ's not coming back higgins boyd and another flyer i guess that's kind of enticing
2: yeah yeah
1: well we've got about three or four oh, about three months or so to discuss it go round and round uh the the uh the whole kind of conversation um we're going to finish up in a minute jeff thank you so much again just got some quick fire questions for you aj green Is he back next year or not? What's your hunch?
0: Uh, You know, honestly, it's a jump ball. Mm. I don't know what free agency is going to look like out there. I don't know if... I just don't know what the cap room people are going to have. Mm -hmm. I guess everybody is assuming he's not going to be back. That's the conventional wisdom, but I've seen crazier things. Maybe it's just a fan in me that wants him to go back out on a better note, maybe.
1: Yeah. Uh, Gina
0: Atkins, similar question. I think it's a similar answer, too. Right, right. Uh, even, even though he's uh, – I mean, he's still under contract. Mm. But I think that needs to be played out, too. How is his shoulder? Uh, are they going to need more? You know, maybe they feel like they're going to need money to someplace else. or mm. But, you know, I mean, who's going to replace these guys? You know right, what I mean? I right. mean, Gino I, – I, I understand Gino was hurt, but he is going to be back. Mm. And, you know, if you don't have him, who do you have to replace him? So I think these are – things that have to be looked at. I think that's the same answer. I'm sorry. It's not a very good
1: answer. No, no, no. It's, I think it's good. And just um, how, when do you think we'll start to know about the exact uh, team? Are we talking days? Are we talking weeks? Cause everyone, you know what this society is like. Everyone wants an answer now, now, now uh, what's your hunch on the way that situation will develop?
0: Probably a week to 10 days, maybe.
1: Hmm.
0: I'm not sure. I mean, I'm not sure. Maybe a week, maybe they, maybe they button it up friday Mm. i guess it depends what they decide yeah Mm. i guess like i say i think it could get wrap up a little bit sooner i i I think uh like i said i think lou i think luana rumo's done or not you know i think he's done given given the what he's been faced with Mm. and remember you know i know everybody's gonna remember 404 yards which was which was bad Mm. But remember they had a pretty good november december Mm. Mm. for the most part defensively Mm.
1: And finally, Jeff, what does Jeff Hobson do in the off season now? Obviously, this off season is going to be very different, I guess, because of COVID and all the rest of it. But uh, what's your timetable? Will you be going down to Mobile for the Senior Bowl? Will you be off to the Combine over in Indianapolis again, or is it all going to be remote for you this year?
0: I think it's going to be remote. The first part of it's going to be remote. Uh, once they get a, once I get a vaccine, I'll be, uh, I'll be all over the place. But I don't know if. Uh, I'll get it in time to, uh, you know, I I, I have a feeling the draft will be all done by the time I probably, by the time we get in the loop here. But, um, you know, remotely, uh, Senior Bowl, um, big thing is Willie Anderson today. We're hoping today, Paul, Mm. we're hoping that Willie Anderson is named one of the 15 finalists. Oh. So I'll be doing that. Uh, uh, I'm on the committee. I'm the Cincinnati selector. So uh, in two weeks we'll be doing the we'll be doing the first virtual uh, vote uh, for the Hall of Fame.
1: Get him so in. There. Go on. So
0: Get that's him. some of the stuff that. So that's some of the stuff that's coming. Uh, that's some of the stuff that's coming up.
1: Yeah, uh, we we've named our players of the year uh, and uh, some of our favorite moments. Uh, you won't be surprised to know that Von Bell absolutely shellacking Juju Smith-Schuster came top in our best player of the year that's award. Great um that was a real moment wasn't it uh just real quick jeff who who have you been your favorite players to watch this year
0: i think tyler boyd i felt so bad he couldn't get another shot at thousand just a really tough tough receiver you know he was online there to get a thousand yards with three different with, with with playing playing with three different backup quarterbacks to me which is amazing uh jeff driscoll in 18 finley last year i think he caught finley's only touchdown pass last year mm-hmm. and uh with allen this year he caught a touchdown pass from allen. So i just really like what tyler did obviously higgins you gotta love higgins uh you know i think defensively bell and bates they're really good in the middle of the field you know um and i think uh you know uh i really like what uh some of those young tackles did you know fred johnson mm-hmm. uh, you know, Jonah, Jonah Williams, I think that, okay. You know, I think uh, they obviously have to improve, but I like Akeem Adenergy. Um, I think, uh, you know, I think that he can play guard or tackle a lot of guys I like, but I tell you what, Boyd, uh, Boyd had a marvelous year.
1: Hmm. No complaints from us. No, no, uh, no disagreements there. Jeff, we're going to have let you go as ever. It's, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you for all your help and support. And, uh, We wish you and your family a much better 2021. And hopefully we'll be speaking in person before we know it.
0: The best to you guys. I hope, uh, I'm hoping uh, for the Queen's birthday, everything is, uh, everybody can come out and come out to the balcony. That's what I, that's what I You've
1: you've been watching too much The Crown, haven't you? That's what you've been doing.
0: You know what? I went back, I watched the the first one. The first one was really, uh, the first one I liked. I've I've had a hard time uh, with the
1: the last three years yeah imagine it's living good. with those guys anyway right jeff all the best my friend um take care now. Take Thanks, care, guys. Be, safe. be safe yeah cheers
2: jeff mate thank you
1: well there we go that was uncle jeff uh speaking truths um yet again uh lovely to hear from him again nathan wasn't it always a pleasure
2: oh, i love jeff i mean he's been supporting us from the start and he always you know whenever we've met him in person as well he's he's a, such a top bloke um one of my favorite guests on the pod
1: Absolutely, and I'm happy to say that next week we'll have another fantastic guest. We have the legend that is Ken Anderson returning to Cincinnati, uh, which is marvellous news for everybody. Um, anything that, uh, that Jeff said you wanted to pick up on? I guess things are a little bit up in the air at the moment, but interesting what he said at the draft about the draft. Actually, he would go defense.
2: Yeah, that's interesting. I think I don't think he's wrong at all when it comes to the defensive side in terms of. Needing to sort of bolster that off um, that defensive line. I'm not sure there's a prospect at number uh, fifth overall, unless you were to trade back, that would probably be worth taking there. I know he talked about a be corner, there may be a corner there that potentially would be there, but it's going to be. I, I mean, I don't want to go too deep into the draft at the moment, no, but no. it's interesting, yeah, it is interesting certainly to hear him say that that wouldn't the offensive side of the ball wouldn't be his focus, and I guess. When you've got Joe Burrow and you've got T. Higgins and you've got Joe Mixon and you've got those skill players, I think perhaps it's easier to try and bolster that D-line because obviously we don't know what's going on with Carl Lawson. He's a free agent at the end of the season. I think everyone wants to bring him back, money dependent. I'm sure he'll want a fairly sizable contract. And with him out of the picture, if he does leave, which I, I think they'll probably try and keep him, but if he does leave, that line is... You know, take Sam Hubbard out of the equation. Uh, you've not, you've not got probably as much talent as you would like there. Um, and obviously, people coming back from injury with DJ Reader and stuff. So there's a lot of question marks there, and I can certainly see why that would be a, a position of need.
1: Crazy, isn't it? We were talking about the defensive line as one of the strengths of the team, and now look at it. You know, it's <laughs> it's, it's well, might it's, be it's crazy, one of the worst in the it's, NFL. You know,
2: you went into that season and unbeknown to us, you'd have said a hundred percent that Carlos Dunlap and Gino Atkins are going to be two absolute rocks of that defense. You know, Carlos Dunlap didn't make it until the end of the season. He's now in the playoffs of the Seahawks. And really all we got back on that was a seventh round pick and Gino Atkins, obviously terrible shoulder injury, missed the majority of the year when he did play, didn't have much of an impact playing injured. And Mm. you really question now with another year on his clock, how you know, is he going to be brought back? I think the overwhelming feeling is probably not, but we'll have to see.
1: Yes, lots of things to shake out, and of course, we will be there with you every step of the way, uh, giving you our nonsense opinions. Um, we announced our players of the year today, and before we get to our correspondence, of course, you can get us at hudey underscore uk uh, on Twitter and Bengals UK on Facebook. Do keep them coming. During the off season, uh, you know, we we we've got each other. That's all we've got uh, for lockdown and the off season. So yeah, just keep in touch. Um, let should we just go through the players of the year, Nathan, and just a few sort of congratulatory statements, perhaps.
2: Sounds good to me, my son.
1: So, uh, offensive player of the year is T. Higgins. Um, Jeff waxed very lyrically about Tyler Boyd. I can't disagree with him, Tyler. I mean, he's a great player, isn't he? One of the best in his position in the NFL. Uh, But I just think T. Higgins has had such an impact as a rookie. He tied that 30-year record, the the one that was held by Chris Collinsworth. And you look at the receivers that have been and gone since Chris Collinsworth sent that record, you know, like Kyle Pickens, Chad Johnson, A.J. Green, um, Peter Warwick all those sort of guys TJ Hushmanzada Chris Henry all these fantastic players and T's done it I mean it's amazing isn't it absolutely amazing
2: no absolutely I think it's a well world a few people would have been voting Joe Burrow there and obviously in the games that he did play he was exceptional but I thought T Higgins stood out whenever you draft a receiver not in the first round even in the first round it's a real gamble and I think to see what we got from him in year one is more than we've seen from, that we got from John Ross in his mm. entire stint in Cincinnati. <laughs> so know, right? it's, it's quite, yeah. right, quite incredible really. So he also, I think the other thing with T Higgins is that he just seems, you know, a lot of wide receivers can sometimes get labeled with all this diva trademark and they can be quite demanding. And I think, The other thing that goes under the radar with him as far as I can see this season is he played like a true professional. There was never any sort of bullshit with him. He just seemed like a really sort of... He was ready to crack on, work hard. You know, he, he didn't take that 85 jersey and sort of, you know, let it get to his head or anything like that. And I think... For us as an organisation, having Joe Burrow number nine, T Higgins number eighty-five going forward, both young lads, both hard workers, humble young men, I think we're in a very, very strong position with those guys around.
1: Absolutely, uh, I say honourable mention to Tyler Boyd, probably Gio Bernard as well. Uh, Samaje P-, P. Ryan stood in there, of course. Joe Burrow probably would have been there at the end if he'd have completed the season. Wait, wait, um,
2: Joe Boy, yo, Joe Boy. He's going to win that. I mean, we might as well set up a subscription for sending the awards (laughs) to his house for the next 15 years because I'm hoping he wins that award every year for the next 15. Absolutely.
1: And, of course, uh, T. Higgins won our Rookie of the Year as well uh, award. Uh, But you've got to give an honourable mention to, say, Logan Wilson, who had a a good season as well. He looks promising but T I mean there's only one way one place to go for that I think and again if Joe Joe Boy had been uh, fit for the whole season who knows uh, he could well have been uh, uh, carrying away that uh, imaginary trophy but uh, you can't knock T Higgins again what a fantastic season we're very glad to have him defensive player of the year we've given it to Jesse Bates uh, agree with that
2: no it's a no-brainer and you always need players like Jesse Bates to step up. Young guys drafted fairly high. He was drafted in the second round out of Wake Forest and, in his first rookie year, he looked fantastic. I think everyone was really excited. We thought we got ourselves a good player. He didn't take the step forward last year. That I think many people thought he would, which was a shame. But he didn't half take it this year. He was absolutely fantastic. A disgrace that he didn't make the Pro Bowl. You know, I think if there was more educated vote, voting system, I think he makes it quite easily. Um, he made the PFF team of the year. Fantastic player. And... I think we're very lucky to have him um, on that in that secondary uh, moving forward and a, a well-deserved win.
1: Agreed. And I think it makes such a difference if you have like a, a guy in the middle of the field who can really read the play, make tackles 100%. Uh, and read the game to the extent where he can just kind of step in front of pass- players and make plays and, past breakups and he's got that ball hawking attitude that Reggie Nelson used to have I think and yeah absolutely he, and you look at
2: the afc north with Troy Polamalu and Ed Reed back in the day mm, how mm. influential players like that can be and you want Jesse Bates to be that like ball hawking safety for us and i think as well Logan Wilson I mean, CJ's Ozama when we had him on the podcast said look Logan Wilson you know he's got real talent he's someone in practice that really stood out to him and i think if Logan Wilson's healthy you saw him have a few interceptions was around the ball and that's what you want guys yeah. on fence to be guys that the ball you know the ball gravitates towards and they're around the play they read the game well and it's exciting to have those young guys that are coming through you know if we're going to be a good team we're going to compete going forward you need to see those um progressions happening with these guys
1: uh most impre- no we'll go special teams player it was quite it was between kevin huber who had a really good year and again as ever mr consistent and Brandon Wilson, who when he was on the field, uh, he was returning kickoffs in sizzling fashion for touchdowns. Well, one and uh, but just being a really good gunner as well. And I, so it just kind of edged it to Brandon Wilson. So Brandon is our special teams player of the year.
2: Yeah, I think that's what we deserve as well deserved. think Kevin Huber had a very, very good year, and he's won enough awards from us. So we've got a we've got to dish <laughs> yeah, it around a dish it around a um, bit. But Brandon Wilson, I mean, in today's game, if you can return anything for a touchdown, it's so hard these days with all the various new rules, mm. and you know anyone gets flagged for anything, don't they? On returns, they really don't like it yeah. being part of the game. And I think for him to return one to the house, um, two years in a row now, I believe. Yeah, uh, yeah. fair play to the geezer.
1: Most improved player, we've gone. I mean, we could have gone Jesse Bates because he has been. I mean, dramatically, but we've gone for Drew Sample. Uh, I think. I think that's a worthy winner, Nathan. He's looked much better this year, hasn't he?
2: I think he has. I, I think. he I, I mean, for me, this is what the only one that I would perhaps, perhaps, um, not as on board. I think Jesse Bates probably wins it, but. I think Drew Sample definitely played better. I I think, is he playing at the level you'd expect from a second round pick? Not quite sure, but it's going to be very interesting for him next year. And you think most of the year he played, um, you know, he stood up because obviously CJ went down. Um, He played obviously part of the year with Joe Burrow out. So, I'm gonna be. I'm excited to see what Drew can do next year with Joe Burrow. Um, see if he gets used a little bit more. Him and CJ combined, but yeah, he definitely. There's no doubt that he took a step forward, and we said he was one of those guys that definitely needed to. Possibly not as big as I would have wanted him to, but there's no doubt that he did improve.
1: What would Drew do? <laughs> Maybe we should introduce that next year. Uh, we've got a players player of the year, and that goes to. Um, Giovanni Bernard, uh, player's player, is one of those guys that's a rocker, who doesn't necessarily get the statistics, the high numbers, but is an absolutely essential part of the team. And I think Gio's really proved that this year. He's come out and defended Zach Taylor, whether you like Zach Taylor or not. He's, he's you know, with lots of, well, I say lots, but some, um, you know, with a little bit of disquiet in that locker room he's really come out and been a leader and we all know you know we all love Gio, always have done but uh, uh, you know just the way he's conducted himself the way he's fought for the team fought for his coach it's been very admirable i think this year
2: oh, 100% there's no more of a pros pro than Gio bernard like he personifies everything that you'd want to see in uh, a professional and he's a it's a pleasure to have him as a veteran on this team
1: absolutely um, coach of the year was kind of we went for Darren Simmons, the special teams coach, and of course assistant head coach. But it's kind of slim pickings this year. I mean, there was some debate about Al Golden because that linebacker room has improved. There's no doubt about it. But again, and again, but you know, Darren, the special teams unit hasn't had the best of years. Not quite as good as past years, actually. Um, but yeah, we couldn't really go anywhere else other than than Darren, really.
2: Yeah, I think it's yeah. You I know, like you. I mean, there was a bit of debate about it when they're in, you know, between us. But uh, yeah, I think it is. I mean, Darren Simmons is a great coach. He's a very well respected around the league. He very, you know, more often than not, puts together a very strong special teams unit. And I think it's uh, might not be his strongest year, but I still think that he probably nicks it.
1: Um performance of the year was uh, Joe Burrow. We couldn't not give Joe an award because I think he probably would have won all the awards if, uh, <laughs> if he'd have been fit this year. Uh, but that performance against Cleveland when he threw over 400 yards, got a QBR, I think around 112, three touchdowns. Yes, it was a loss, but it was just like, wow, we've got a player here. Uh, and and he'd shown it up to that point, but it was a a fantastic game from Joe and a great performance, I think, that, that day.
2: A hundred percent. It pains me really. I mean, When he went down in week 10, I mean, that feels like a long time ago week now, 10, doesn't, doesn't it? it? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it feels like that we've been, I mean, we've been without him for what feels like a season almost. I mean, it feels crazy to look back on, you know, that game against the Titans, and the football team, when he was sort of gunning it around and we were really starting to look very competitive. And you, you do wonder with those games, that Zach Taylor was able to win with Ryan Finley and Brandon Allen down the stretch against some slightly easier opposition just how many games we could have come out of this season with could we have won 6 7 games this year and i think a lot of fans would be feeling far more comfortable about the mm. situation moving forward so um, yeah I, I cannot i just hope that he's not only back but he's back with a vengeance and his knee is an absolute weapon moving <laughs> forward
1: <laughs> well he's been walking around on it there's been there's been plenty of footage of him walking around tentatively at the start and that's just three weeks after the operation. I mean, I can't I remember after my ACL operation. I was, I think it took, no, no I think because they do try and get you to walk on it and and, and get it going again because they don't want any scar tissue to form within the knee joint. So they do get you to do stuff that you kind of think, hold on a minute, I shouldn't be doing this early. Um, but yeah, it's great to see him. Uh, and I am win? in no who? way comparing myself to Joe Burrow. Here. <laughs> who
2: who would win in a forty yard dash if it was held today? Yeah, Paul Hirons, yeah after a binge on the Tony's chocolate over Christmas. Yeah, or Joe Burrow three four weeks removed from ACL surgery. Oh, he's who, st- who 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 posts the quicker? Fall I week?
1: still think it's Joe Burrow. To be honest with you, I'm I'm, I'm weighed down by by Tonys. Um, uh, yeah, we've got two more awards, Player of the Year, probably the most no-brainer of the lot. It was Von Bell absolutely twatting Gigi uh, Smith-Schuster in, in a very legal way, and I don't think anything was uh, uh, more deserving, really. Um, that was a marvellous moment, wasn't it?
2: Oh, I'm so glad we had that this season. I mean, yeah, it, I know. I, <laughs> I know.
1: imagine if we hadn't had that, goodness me, it would have been bleak. But yes, we can always hold on to that, can't That's we? That's
2: one for yeah. the ages, That, especially when you see the geezer prancing around still after it. It's just yeah. nice to know that we... Because I remember after it happened, he was quiet for a couple of days yeah. and obviously the Steelers had lost three in a row and I think he then said he was going to stop dancing on the thing. You you could tell it just, you know, from an ego standpoint, just knocked him down a peg or two.
1: Yeah, I agree. Uh, And overall player of the year, we went for Jesse Bates again. Now, uh, I think uh, the Associated Press are voting their uh, All-Pro team this year. So the hope is, even though he was snubbed for the Pro Bowl, uh, he might get in uh, to the All-Pro team, which would be um, entirely justified, I think. So congratulations to Jesse Bates. Fantastic season. Uh, and long may that continue. Let's hope we can pin him down for another sort of three, four years.
2: Yeah, he, I mean, he's a guy that you want to keep on that defence. So I think him and Von Bell really do create a really strong team um, back there in the safety position. So um, I'm just hoping he can take another step forward next year. You know, let's, let's hope that progress continues.
1: Mm. Right, let's get to our correspondence. I know this is a long episode, but why not? Yeah, it's not as if you're going anywhere, is it? Let's let's face it, not as if we're going anywhere. So uh, let's carry on. Odat at DZE, thank you for 2020, chaps. I have two questions. If we had fired Zach Taylor, which of the teams looking for a head coach would offer him their job? Number two, looking at the 2021 schedule, what is the minimum win-loss record? You would accept a success, and all things being equal, what do you believe it will be? <laughs> well, okay. Um, let me just,
2: first part of that. Yeah, Zach. If Zach was fired by the Bengals, I think he would go back to be an offensive coordinator at the college level. I don't. There wouldn't be any head coaching opportunities for him. I mean, he's the thing with Zach is that, and you know, he'd get another chance. He's a young lad, and he's got I think yeah. two years head coaching experience in the NFL, no matter what the job that you do, is team people are going to say that's a great experience. He's been around some talented players. You know, he's 37. He's got some experience at the college level. He's got some experience in the NFL level. He used to be a player himself. He, he'd get a gig, uh, probably a fairly decent college team offensive coordinator yeah. and could build himself back up from there. I, he wouldn't realistically get another chance in the NFL. I think next year... I'll tell you what, I was looking at the schedule for next year. You've got to play the Chiefs and the Packers. Well, I've just
1: got it up. So we've got like, obviously, we've got the Ravens, the Browns, the Steelers. And uh, yeah, that's it for the AFC North. Uh, We've also got at home, the Packers, the Chiefs, the Chargers, the Vikings and the Jags at home. Away, we've obviously got the AFC North uh, teams. We've got the Bears, the Broncos, the Lions, the Raiders. And the Jets. So if we're not lucky, uh, we're going to be another 3-4 win team next year if we don't improve. I
2: think I think the away games are winnable. You'd say that Denver and New York, obviously Detroit, Trevor Lawrence. Detroit, maybe. No, so not, not Trevor Lawrence, sorry. But you, new, the Jets, you'd fancy yourself against, whether Darnold's there or they maybe take you a know, quarterback in the draft. The Jags at home, you'd fancy yourself winning that. But obviously they're going to have Trevor Lawrence, which is going to be An interesting, um, you know, an interesting game. But yeah, I mean, the thing that surprised me this year was the quality of the AFC North. And you look at the that division this year, and I mean, it is unheard of, really, to see uh, that many wins in one division between those guys. I mean, the fact Mm. that Cleveland Browns eleven and five have finished third in the division. I mean, it's unheard of, really. And I think that all of those teams next year will be competitive. There's not going to be any of them I wouldn't have thought that are below, you know, eight, seven, eight wins between the Steelers, Ravens and Browns, unless there's some sort of fluke injuries and the Steelers lose Ben or the Ravens lose Lamar Jackson or something sinister like that. They're going to be competitive. So, our divisional games are going to be hard. You've got a couple of tough games in there against the Packers and the the Chiefs that you're going to do very, very well to win, even at home. But all things said, it doesn't matter. If you're Zach Taylor and the Bengals, and I know the fans will demand this, and I know Jeff said that, well, you know, you shouldn't necessarily boil it down to, is it six, seven, eight, nine, ten wins that keeps his job? You'll know by the performance of what you're seeing on the field. I do agree to an extent but I I think if Zach Taylor does not win 9 games next year and get a winning record Ooh. in his first in his first 3 years with drafting first fifth and 11th spending the money in free agency having Joe Burrow I don't think there's any way I, th- I, I, I even think if he goes 8 and 8 it's just not enough
1: I'm not ready to go that far yet but uh, interesting uh, Simon Hunter at Simon Hunter underscore the season kind of ended when Joe got injured, but huge off-season. They need to resign most of their guys and move on from the underachievers. Free agency and draft are huge. They basically need contributors from every new person. Feels like one for the road with Zach, and one year to prove it. And I kind of agree with you. I think the leash will be very short on Zach next year. Warrior at Warrior Nate.
2: Solid handle.
1: Being a fan since 1986 and thankfully seen some playoff wins and a very painful Super Bowl loss. Mike Brown is a clown. 30 years without a playoff win or even a practice bubble. We've had two uh, of the worst defences in the league the last two years and Lou keeps his job. That's poor. Again, it's it's a strong argument, really.
2: Did you, son, did you see what Pat McAfee came out and said today?
1: Yeah, it was just one of those drive-by kind of
2: Takes, oh, it was 100%. Really, you know. It was he's, a bit of a, a populist take. But yeah. it was. I'm not, I'm not I'm not. necessarily referring to the content. I'm more referring to what he said about the practice bubble, which I thought was quite interesting. Yes. He said regularly he was trying to get some sort of late-night practices in at 11 o'clock at night in the winter before the playoffs. And he said that, you know, that had then the Colts having an indoor facility, was a godsend so he could just roll up, turn mm. the lights on, and, you know, work out in the middle of the night or whatever to get some extra practice in. And he was saying, realistically, in the winters in Cincinnati, the players don't have that. Yeah, I think I do th-
1: think that's a fair argument, really. And we're, you know, it's a modern global sports team. You'd expect some sort of indoor facility. Um, but that's, I don't know. Does that make or break a team? I don't think so. Oh,
2: absolutely not. I'm you just, know, you know, um, just referring to... Yeah, so, no, I agree. Like I agree. Said, it was a bit of a, a, a drop, And it off. is
1: another stick for people to beat us with, you know, which I'm yes. frankly sick and tired of. But uh, there we go. Killian at Malloy underscore double zero. Very anticlimactic end to the season. Winning the previous two games before Baltimore gave me confidence we could get a win. But that game showed the problems we have deep down, both on the roster and the coaching staff. The leash is very short for Zach and his staff next year. Jamie at Trequart Beaster. If the front office were dedicated to improvement, Zach and Lou would have gone. They aren't, so it'll be another season of excuses and underperformance. He's hoping we start out the blocks really bad and he's canned by week six. Maybe Darren Simmons can take over. People wishing the Bengals uh, to lose games already. Blimey. Um, Dave Cass. At, come on, Didier. Solid handle. Totally non-Bengals related, but I'm interested in your views on the new expanded playoffs. Around 40 4% of teams qualify for the playoffs, and to my mind, that's too many. Previously, there was a huge advantage in finishing second in the conference as opposed to sixth. Now, save for the home advantage, there is no difference in finishing second or seventh. In other words, I would have liked the playoffs to remain unchanged. What do you guys think? 100% with you. It's um, it's just a ridiculous greed, money-based thing it's a bit like the champions league it's sort of i wouldn't say totally devalues it but do you know what i mean it's like once upon a time it was just the divisional winners and one or two wild cards and now it's just getting bigger and bigger and as as dave said it's kind of 44 percent of teams qualify that's not i don't know that 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 doesn't sit well with me but hey what are you gonna do i
2: i, I couldn't agree more I, it, I mean it's farcical i mean everyone's talking obviously about the Um, the state of the NFC East where the Washington football team at seven and nine get into the playoffs. But that's not even the thing for me. The thing that no one's talking about is because of this new playoff format, you've got the Chicago Bears, who are eight and eight, didn't win their division, and they're in the playoffs. And I just think if you're not the first seed, and obviously out of 16 teams to get the best record, you've probably got to win 14, 15 games, really, to get that sort of first seed, ideally, maybe 13 would uh, get it for you. But... Realistically, if you're the Buffalo Bills, you've gone 13 and 3. On any normal year, you get a bye. You deserve it when you've won 13 out of 16 games. And now you've got a wild card game to play. And if you're the Chicago Bears, who have won just eight, you know, completely. You know, the difference between an eight and eight season and a thirteen and three season is a million yeah, miles. Yeah, yeah, and you could get a situation where the Bears. I mean, obviously they're in different conferences, but the Bears could play the Bills in a one-off game. Josh Allen does his hamstring or something in the first quarter, and the the Bears sneak that win. And you yeah. just think like. What, you know? what's the value there to getting 10, 11, 12 wins versus getting nine? I know. And just, getting, and just getting your head in the game, you know, getting yourself in the playoffs, you know, just knockout format, you win three games, you you got the Super Bowl, you know, yeah. it just, it feels wrong to me.
1: Agreed. Uh, Sam underscore Anger says, Good evening, lads. This season hurt a lot, not having our starting quarterback running back and other key pieces on the defence pretty much all year didn't help our cause. I believe in Zach, but next year is a huge one for him. See what he can do with the new free agents and draft. I really do believe this team can do something next year. Having Burrow has already changed this franchise around to a degree, so I reckon we're halfway there. The key is helping him. I'd love to see us go the free agency route on an experienced offensive tackle and go Best pass rusher available in the draft. Quietly, the pass rush has been a big weakness uh, on the team for a while now. A very sad season, but I'm optimistic this off-season. There's not that much that needs to be changed to make us competitive again. Keep up the great work. Guys, thank you, Sam. Shawnee at Shawnee01. I feel the pain. Investment is heavily needed in the front seven, particularly the D-line. Over the off-season, we need a way to stop Baltimore, or that's two guaranteed losses a year. And you know what? I think that's about it, really. Um, thank you very much to everyone that has uh, corresponded. Yet again, I hope you enjoyed our chat with Jeff Hobson. I hope uh, you enjoyed the return of What Would You do? Uh, You never know; that might come out again. Uh, next year if he's retained and that's the thing stay tuned because there will be some comings and goings I think obviously uh, some coaches uh, need to be confirmed about their exits, we might get some player exits, and probably not quite as early as that but uh, we will be back next uh, Monday and I can say with all certainty that we do have Ken Anderson as a guest so tune in for that, so until then please do stay safe out there and uh, it's a who day from me
2: and a who day from me cheers guys
1: and it should also be noted that the views and opinions expressed within this podcast do not reflect those of the cincinnati bengals organization